Hi, welcome to another episode of ArtCast. My guest today is Maureen O'Keefe. She's an artist from our area, and I'm really delighted to have you. I'm happy to be here. So I'm going to start the way I start with everybody. Okay. Uh, how did you get interested in art? Oh, a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be that long, I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll go with that. Um, no, I think I've always been interested in art. Uh, my mom was huge in terms of like doing crafts with us when we were little. I mean, ever since I can remember. But the first time that I realized um, that other people were looking at what I was doing in a special way was in second grade. I kid you not. I was being a bad student and I'm <laughs> supposed to be having like my little reading time. Um, I don't know. There was some kind of program. Maybe it was the book it program. But we're supposed to be reading. And I have this cool poster next to me on the wall in Mrs. Bennell's second grade class. And I started copying it. So I did a little copy of this poster and she comes around and I remember her just lightly tapping on my desk and she says, that's really phenomenal, but you are supposed to be reading. <laughs> you can okay. always tell the art kids by their papers. Yes, exactly. So I got in trouble and got the compliment at the same time. Oh, and realized like, oh, this is some, this is a talent that I have. That was pretty neat. So now you then decided through high school that this was what you were going to pursue. Not, no, not at all. Really? Um, I kind of, I always was taking art classes. I remember in, I don't know, probably sixth or seventh grade, my parents had a friend, Tim Sewer. He was a local, um, guy they knew from high school and he had gone to art school I think at the Dayton Art Institute anyway they hired him to give me some drawing lessons in fifth or sixth grade and then I took art classes in high school um, and went to college for English teaching to be an English teacher. no yes I did not know that about you um and I could just then I just kind of got lost in college I dropped out of my first year which was at Kent State came back here, worked in a factory, worked at a daycare, worked at the women's shelter. I was, you know, really scrambling around trying to figure out what I wanted to do, but art was kind of always this background. Gotcha. Um, and then I think Head Start, I was working at Head Start, and they sent me to Edison for early childhood. And I was, I took an art class for fun, and Ann Vaccaro, who was the I know Ann. head yep. of the Edison Art Department, she was like, you have got something. And she really kind of pushed me into pursuing art a little bit more seriously, and then I ended up going to the Savannah College of Art and Design. Because I just, you know, I was working all those weird jobs and thought... It just didn't fit, not, right? Yeah, nothing fit, but yeah. art... Art just fit. kept following me, yeah. How and was Savannah? I hear that's wonderful. Oh, my gosh. We, it's probably on a weekly basis that my husband Dylan and I, who we met in Savannah, talk about moving back. Oh, I hope not, but we, I understand yeah, we, that. we probably won't, but it's so gorgeous. We were there for seven years, and um, really the best, the best time. It's such a beautiful city. It's full of creative people, um, which just makes it, Special. It's a very special place. I think that's... So how did you get back here? Uh, when we got we got married in Savannah. Okay. He's from Texas and Arkansas. Um, we met in Savannah, got married. Um, 
we bought our first house and had our daughter Scarlett. And when we had her, she was about a year old and we started looking around at schools and stuff. And I was really missing my family. They're all here. And it was like, okay, we're going to either move to where Dylan's family is or where mine is. Gotcha. His family was in Hawaii at that time. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. But let, let me make that. Um, that was tough. Yeah. So the decision was to come here just because it was going to be a infinitely easier move. Well, that I do understand that. Yeah. I and do. my family is huge. So I have five brothers. I still so find that fun. amazing. <laughs> One girl and five brothers. One girl, five boys. Yep. That's that's amazing. So how, since you've been here, mm-hmm. this is, it's not that we don't have art here because we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, it's, it's, but it's not Savannah. How has it been here doing your studio, trying to get your artwork out? I have found a way to make it work. Um, honestly, Gateway was kind of my segue back into my practice. Really? Yes, because... I moved back up here. I had Scarlett and got a job at the bank and I really wasn't making much art. Um, but I got into doing these photorealistic drawings and I entered one in the spring, spring lane. Lane. and I won, I think first place in drawing. That's and because it was phenomenal by the way. Thank you very much. Um, I was very proud of those pieces and I did lots of those little, um, photo, not little, some of them are big, but photorealistic um, portraits and body parts and things. And it just sort of springboarded me right. back into actually making work. Um, and I've done all sorts of things since yeah, then. That's true. Um, but yeah, so Gateway kind of got me back into it. And then um, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity here in town for showing work. So I branched out to Dayton. I joined the Dayton's... Or, it was called DVAC at the time, right. Dayton Visual Arts Center, now it's called The Co. So I joined that organization, and from there I got a fellowship with them one year and met some people. I applied for the Ohio Arts Council, Ohio Arts Council Individual Excellence Award Program, and I received that in 2019, so that allowed me to get the studio. Which that, to me, is phenomenal. I mean, as a community, we are so proud that you're here and that, that you received that and that we have a studio. I'm so thankful for it because it allowed me to stay in my hometown, right. raise my kids where I wanted to raise my kids with my family. Now we've got Dylan's family here too. Um, have the studio feel like I have this really thriving practice in a place that isn't New York City. Which, you know, you know it's not even Dayton. I think sometimes people have a perception that if you live somewhere that's not associated with art, mm-hmm. that you either can't do it, you aren't a real artist, you know, there's, and their preconceptions are not true. No, there, there are so many ways, and you really just have to make your own way, which right. is what I'm trying to do. I'm not going to say I've been totally successful at it, but I'm working towards it. I would like to have more of a direct art community. Right, yes. But that's also why I'm here. You know? Right, I right. Mean, because I think, and it's the sad part about this year is we haven't been able to have some of our exhibits. Mm-hmm. But when we have some of the larger ones and all the artists come together, it's some of my 
most favorite times because mm -hmm. of the interaction between the artists. Yeah. Because of what that generates in terms of creativity and you know, ideas. Well, did you try this? Oh, I like how you've expanded on this one. You've right. never tried this media before. What made you decide to try that? Yeah, having that community is so important. Um, and that kind of just leads me into teaching too. I love, I teach at Edison Drawing and Painting. And it's the same effect when I'm okay. in the classroom and I'm talking to students and we're delving into the process or the concept behind artworks or whatever. It's inspiring to me. You know, right, being around right. other artists, even yes. as students, whatever, it's people communicating with each other. It's like it, food for the soul. Yeah, it really is building. I think an artist, you need that. Mm -hmm. You need that. And I know you, you people have this picture of somebody sitting alone and painting forever on this which masterpiece. Which is a huge part of it. Which is a huge part but. of it. But on the other hand, it's that... It's that interaction with other people that leads to different themes and it leads to inspiration and it leads to things you never thought possible. Oh, 100%. I, and I've learned that this year specifically because yeah. I'm kind of a loner. You know, I enjoy being in the classroom and I am confident in public that way, but I'm very much an introvert. Love my studio time. Um, so I didn't think that the pandemic and the isolation would affect me the way that it has, but yeah, I have, I mean, I'm not totally in an artist block, right? but there's certainly not as much going on up here <laughs> as well, there has been at other times. I, I know. I understand that. I think yeah. I've heard that not just from visual artists, but I've heard that across the board. It's, there's a, there's an element that an artist gets from just being around people. Yeah, you need stimulus. You need an exchange of ideas. And I right. think that's why, like, you know, you see Paris in the 1800s. And right. you have this explosion of not only creativity, but philosophy and writing and poetry yes. and all this coming out because the people are there and they're in cafes and they're hanging out. And um, Which kind of leads me to my next question with you. I mean, I think about those Paris. I think about all those artists' enclaves through history. Mm -hmm. And you're right. They were associated with social movements or mm -hmm. something, you know, um, Renaissance maybe. Right. So I'm thinking, what is it that your work in particular, and I, I've seen an evolution in your work from oh, yeah. your photorealism <laughs> to a much more message-driven artwork. Mm -hmm. And... Is there a specific message you're trying to get out? Is it just the today I'm inspired by this? I think overall, I'm a portrait artist, so there's that sort of theme. Um, I like to think about identities okay. and what makes a person who they are, how they fit into their community. And so hmm. whether it's just a very straightforward portrait of what someone looks like or whether it's one of these more message driven or political pieces all of that still deals with the identity of the sitter or the identity of the the allegory I'm trying to present right. um it's really about people interacting with who they are i like that it's like it's trying to take what's happening on the inside of someone and paint it on the outside. Yeah. 
which, you know, Which that, is a really basic, you know, concept of what a portrait should be. But when I'm thinking about the work, um, especially, like you said, how it evolved into this, you know, more conceptual or message-driven work, the message is still... Message hasn't changed, just the work has changed. Right. And the message, it might be more specific, I guess. So, like, each individual portrait might have some specific ideas about identity. One might be dealing with feminist issues. One might be dealing with political issues. But it's still about the person and how they're interacting with those topics. I think that I've, I think that's wonderful. I mean, I know here we would like to do a little more socially conscious art a couple times in the exhibit. Last mm-hmm. year we did the women's, uh, I the women's rights. I loved it. I loved the message that those combined, all the artwork combined had a huge message. Mm-hmm. We found that when we did it with uh, Bad Art, we had the veterans. Mm-hmm. The combined message was just overwhelming. Right. And I'd like to do a little bit more of that. And you know, that always, I'm going to segue a little bit. I'm going to try to make what we just talked about. Um, this next question for me is kind of a deep one. Mm-hmm. But what do we even consider art? Oh, gosh. Um, my definition is very broad. Uh, but I think of art as primarily a communication. Yes. So... You have communication is not exclusively exclusively human, but our capacity kind of for abstract thought is. And so to me, anything that is communicating an abstract thought or a hmm. can be considered art. So I think about the cave paintings. Those are the very right. first art that humans have found that other humans created. And we don't know exactly what those things meant, but we can assume because we have some shared experience of those animals that are painted on the wall or those handprints that are blow painted. Like the handprint is the signature. I was here. Right. I existed at this time and in this place. And that's the communication. Which when you just think of the simplicity of that Mm -hmm. is an enormous statement. Exactly. I existed. Exactly. And that's the abstract thought that, you know, that I was talking about, but we are communicating through time and time travel. Yeah. So I mean, in I, that it, sense, I know that seems corny, but in some respects, you're right. If you, that little handprint, mm-hmm. you know, is a message through a lot of ages that I existed. I was here, mm-hmm. you know, and art has survived. Exactly. Longer than writing. I mean, we've been communicating That's with correct. pictures much long, much longer than we've been communicating with writing. And so to bring it back to the definition of art, that's also why music is considered art, why writing is considered art. Yeah, I see that. It's that communication, that element of telling our own story or allowing another human being to understand something about ourselves that comes out of us. Do you, when you teach your students, Mm -hmm. do you tell them that? That this is your opportunity mm-hmm. to reach in and give a message. Yes, definitely. Um, and it doesn't have to be some big political message or, right. you know, it doesn't have to be something deep and profound. It can be, I love the way this flower looks and I want you to see this flower also. The joy that I receive exactly. from seeing a flower. Exactly. But it can also be something very complex and meaningful and, you know, it can challenge your 
conception of reality if you want to go that far. Yeah, you I know? do. I mean, but that's all good. Exactly. I mean, you think about periods in history, and I'm gonna, I'm I'm going to say this. You can tell me if I'm wrong. I think art has preceded big change. Yes. Well, or reflected it, but yeah. You know, it's it's been it's one of the ways you know there's change either happened or happening mm-hmm. is by looking at the art. Mm-hmm. You know what what they were free to express versus what they weren't free to express. You know how it was the figure rigid or is the figure a little more uh, open and free? I mean, things just little things that have an awful lot to say. Yes, that makes me think of um, ancient Egyptian art. So you had the majority of the ancient Egyptian period, you have these extremely sort of prescribed ways of depicting the human form. Right. And then you have this one weird period where the one pharaoh decided he's going to go with monotheism. He's going right. to do away with all these other gods and we're only going to have one, but the artwork became so much more human, more naturalistic. That's really interesting. When you look at the hieroglyphs or the images of he and his wife, they become more rounded, more human. They're depicted in poses that are not just that. The stiff. The the stiff pose. They have their children on their laps. And it's very interesting, you know, that... That is really interesting to me because that is in direct opposition of what... You would think, I mean, when you think in, of an Egyptian pharaoh from that time period, you don't think of a dad with kids on his lap. Exactly. You think of an, an art, to be quite frank. Mm-hmm. Movies in particular have painted that image that we hold. Mm-hmm. So to have one that's outside of that prescribed, oh, you will think of a pharaoh like this. Right, right, right. You will, you know, they are always like this. Well, okay, in my experience, there's nothing ever always anything. Right. There's a lot of gray in the world. There's a lot of gray areas. There's a lot of gray. There's, you know, and I think maybe part of art's job is to capture the gray areas. Amen. Yes. That's my whole philosophy. I mean, because, you know, it's real easy to stereotype. Mm-hmm. And I was just the other day. I am taking classes now. I'm for you can't tell on the po- on the podcast, but I am a grandmother. And when I went in, and this is no reflection on anybody in this, it just is how it was. I went in to get my taxes done, and I said, by the way, I put X amount of dollars in toward my education because I want to finish my degree. And the first thing she said to me, looking at me and saying, "Oh no, <laughs> is this your first degree?" And I said, well, yes, I, you know, I quit and I had kids and I'm coming back. Right. And I think there were 10 questions all trying to get around the fact that you don't look like you should be in college. Right. And that's a long story to say that I think art needs to capture and break those stereotypes because you're right. I don't look like a 20 year old. But good for you for going back and getting your degree. Right. And it breaks we have to stop thinking so stereotypically. Yes. And art is always at the forefront I agree. of breaking those stereotypes, of getting you without actually confronting you. Mm-hmm. I, I like that about art. It doesn't, it's not in your face yelling at you. It's there for you to consider. Right. It's there for you to take in. And it's it's very private. You can, 
you can say, wait a minute, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, well, you can digest it on your own time. And sometimes you don't see everything in it the first time. Right. Or you go home and you think about it later and you're, oh, the light bulb goes off. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's part of it for me that's just fascinating. And that's why, I'm mean, not an artist, but I think that's why I love art. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much in it. There's the emotion. There's the history. There's the, what is the artist trying to say? Is the mm -hmm. artist trying to capture something, you know, that didn't exist before? Right. I'm, you know, or, well, and that all boils down to communication. It again. does all boil down to communication. And you're right. Art is the earliest form of communication. And to me, the most interesting thing um, in that vein about it is that with any form of communication, what you read may be different from what I read. Yes. And that's why it always lives in that gray area. If I put I like out that. a piece of artwork that is in your face, like you were saying, I look at it and I walk away. Mm -hmm. There's no, it doesn't require anything of me if it's just like a stop sign. Oh, I'm supposed to stop. Right. Okay. I stop. And then there's no more engagement with it. So Correct. if you are communicating effectively, I feel in art anyways, I guess, <laughs> communicating effectively, if you need someone to stop, a stop sign is pretty effective. But in art, if you're trying to show that gray area, the way to do that is by kind of giving those little bits and pieces and letting and people letting somebody... connect dots. Exactly. Um, we had one of my favorite exhibits here. People either loved it or they hated it, but they never, they never went out without having stopped and looked at all the paintings. Mm -hmm. They always can, if they came with someone, they always conversed about what that painting meant. You know, versus just walking through and saying that was pretty. Right. Which, to me, was the essence of a, just a superior show. Yes. Because they came out talking about something. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily, um, you know, super political. It wasn't anything like that. Some of it was just little tiny messages, little right. things that they're absorbing. And everybody gets something different, which I love about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's why I love art, because the other thing, it's that it's, it's personal. Yes. It's very personal. Well, I always tell my students, you're going to make a very personal work of art, or you're going to intend this communication from your work. Then you're going to put it out into the world. Right. And it's your baby, but it's going to become what it wants to become. You know, it's going to grow up to be what it is, and that depends on all of your viewers, they have their own input into that, and then it becomes Boy, as an artist, that has to be difficult. Yes, it is very difficult. Well, and I think it's one of those things that makes all of us very um, self-conscious about putting work out. And some people are able to overcome that self-consciousness and show work, and then other people just keep their work for themselves, you know, like a journal, and you, you don't ever put it out there because there's, it's always a risk. Well, that is true. Artists have to put themselves, to be a good artist, mm -hmm. in any of the arts, right. you put yourself out. Exactly. It's you, exposure. It's exposure. It's, you have, you get all the technique. You do your best to be the best performer, the best artist, mm -hmm. the best anything. Then there's that moment where I guess the way we put it today is you go live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. And, and. 
what your message is now out. Now, whether someone takes it and runs with what you thought, whether they, you know, and especially over the centuries, some of that's been lost. Right. Because the context, the I guess the historical context that a work is made within has dictated the making of the work, but it doesn't dictate the viewing of the work because the history of art is so long. I mean... Right. It's, well, civilization and art. Yeah. I'm not sure it was simultaneous, but pretty dang close. Mm-hmm. Because that was the way to communicate. Right. And you think about art being an equalizer in communication. Well, really, I mean, that just popped into my head, the little Jesus fish. Right. You right. know, that's a, a recognizable symbol that was a secret symbol in the past. Now everyone knows what it is, but it was specifically a coded message that illiterate people could understand right. and feel community because of. Right. And it served so many purposes and it serves a slightly different purpose now. Yes, I mean, th- that is but true. But it's the same image. But it's the same. Well, think about people. I mean, I guess what I was thinking about is that people, when you communicate, you could be different ethnicities. You could mm-hmm. be from different countries. You could be not even speak the same language. Right. And yet there is an image that can speak to all of that. Yes. It, it touches something way beyond Something universal in all of us. Yes. And, and that, to me, there's, I don't want to use the word power, because that's not exactly the word, but it's such a unifier. It can be used in such mm-hmm. a unifying way. Yes. It, well, it's maybe not power, but it's empowering. That, maybe that's the way to put it. Um, yeah, I... I I'm fascinated by art in general, and that's those are all the reasons. <laughs> it's so I feel like it's something that's so deep in humanity, yes. and I, you know, outside of art, am interested in archaeology and history and science and all the things, and that's just kind of the the one um, genre or whatever for me that puts all that together and allows me to see all of it at the same time. All those things that are interesting about humanity. I don't know. I, no, I think in many ways, every artist I've talked to, whether they're a musical artist or a visual artist, mm-hmm. all comes down to what you just said. Yeah. I mean, it is the common denominator. Mm-hmm. The other thing I know about artists is that there's, there is something inside and if they, for some reason, couldn't play music, they'll find a way visually for it to come out. Right. If you're, for some reason, could no longer do your visual art, you'll find other ways mm-hmm. for that, what's that little seed that's inside of you to come out. Yep. And, and I also think most people don't realize everybody has it inside. Yes. That's another thing that I enjoy about teaching is that you'll have people come in who want to take the art class. They're either there because they are going for graphic design or they right. are just taking it for a, an elective. But they come in and they'll say, well, I can't do this. It's like, no, you can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can do that. You just need me to show you a couple tricks. <laughs> but well, it's this, We don't look at art in terms of the fact that there is a science to the art, mm-hmm. that there are a, sk- a set of skills that you can establish. 
Exactly. Now there there are things beyond that to make yes. art that is meaningful, good in the the sense that I think most people would look and say, "Oh, that's good art. It looks like what it's supposed to look like," or it's conceptually meaty in some way, right. like you know, abstract expressionism or something. So there are academically good pieces yes. of artwork, but communicate in my mind communication is the the basis of everything and so if you're communicating something it's good all you need to do is make a mark on the page and that is true you have made art I we start in my class with um mark making which can be a lip print on your piece of paper you can dent it with a hammer you know any mark on your page is the history of something that happened to that page. Right. And that is the communication. So that's all you need. And that gives people the permission to make bad art. <laughs> yeah. You know, before mm-hmm. they make good art or learn the tricks to make the what is considered quote unquote good. All they need is permission to make that first mark and Isn't let that, that be the communication. I mean that that to me is really rather freeing. Yeah, it, exactly. Just make a mark. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's figurative as well as literal, right? Correct. Just make the mark. I mean, that what a free statement. And and I make them stand up. They laugh at me every class, every semester. They laugh at me because I make them get up, and I'll like do a dance, and I'm waving my arms around, and <laughs> I'm like, you need to hold your charcoal in your hand in front of your easel and just flop your arm around. <laughs> I think I could handle that. Yeah. And they're like, is this a college course? (laughs) Oh, great. What do we sign up for? (laughs) Um, But they end up getting into it, and we have a lot of fun. And then, you know, we go from there. But But see, for me, that's just um, so wonderful. And I want to thank you. I mean, this has been, we could go on for hours. I know, we really could. We might have to have episode two of this. (laughs) We can talk about what is art. We can talk about what is art. We'll definitely do that. And I want to thank you. This has been such a joy. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back again. Hi, this is Ellen Kyes. I'm the executive director here at Gateway Arts Council, and I hope you're enjoying our podcast that we have called ArtCast. If you would like to be a sponsor of this program, please give us a call at 937-498-2787. Thank you for listening, and be sure you join us next week for another episode.